The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. It's Monday 24th of April. I'm Abby Patterson and today we're asking... How do Spurs recover from this? Here they come again. It's Isak. It's another! What on earth is happening here? Can Manchester United stop rivals Manchester City from winning the treble? Everyone on the United fan base is a bit nervous about stopping City from winning a bunch of titles. Uh, and now this FA Cup final gives United a, a direct way to stop the trouble from happening. And how was Saturday night in Wrexham? Pretty damn special and pretty damn loud. This is The Briefing Show from The Athletic. But there's only one place to start today, and that's with Tottenham Hotspur. They were eviscerated at St James Park yesterday, beaten 6-1 by a Newcastle team, conceding five of those goals in the opening 21 minutes. And it's the manner, not the margin of victory, that stung Spurs fans. After all, this is a club without a permanent manager following the departure of Antonio Conte last month. They're without a director of football after Fabio Paratici stood down last week. And with Conte's former assistant Christian Stellini floundering in his caretaker role, this appears to be a club without any direction. So, where do they go? And what might Daniel Levy do about it? Jack Pitbrook has the answers. Jack, do we even know if Stellini's going to be in charge for Thursday's clash with Manchester United? Well, as of Sunday evening, Stellini is still in charge. We don't know at the moment whether or not he will still be in charge for Manchester United on Thursday. He was asked about this after the game. Didn't sound especially convincing, but just said it wasn't a question for him. I think everybody's really waiting to see what Daniel Levy decides if he thinks it is time for a change for the last few games of the season. On the subject of managers, we're told that Chelsea are speaking to Mauricio Pochettino. Are Spurs going to do likewise? So far, I don't think that Tottenham have put in a call to Mauricio Pochettino about the new managerial position. I don't think he's on their shortlist of candidates. Spurs fans are quite frustrated about this. But to be honest, I imagine the time might have passed. I'm not sure whether it would even work if Tottenham were to put the call in anymore because we know that Mauricio Pochettino is close to the Chelsea job. So I feel that Tottenham might have missed the boat in terms of approaching Pochettino. Of course, the man in charge of that contract is Daniel Levy, and he certainly won't have been best pleased on Sunday evening. Has there been any news of his reaction to the match? No news on Daniel Levy's reaction. Uh, There was talk after the game that he went into the dressing room afterwards, but I don't think that is true. But everybody's really waiting to see if he makes a decision on Christian Stellini in the next few days. And to be honest, people are waiting to see if he's got anything to say. You know, it's been a long period of silence from Daniel Levy. And I think Spurs fans are hoping to get some answers or explanation. Finally, Jack, will star striker Harry Kane really want to stick around for another season of this? No, I don't think Harry Kane especially will want to stick around for the end of the season, given how badly Tottenham are playing at the moment. We don't know what European competition they'll be in next year. It's not looking like the Champions League. We don't know who their manager will be next year. But ultimately, it's not really down to Harry Kane. He's got one year left in his contract after this one. It remains to be seen who's going to be in for him this summer. It doesn't sound like Manchester United are going to come up with a bid that would be big enough to force Daniel Levy to sell. So my expectation is that Kane will still be there next season. And the mood's no better on the other side of North London. League leaders Arsenal dropped yet more points on Friday night when they were held to a three-all draw at home by relegation favourite Southampton. 
It's their third draw in a row. They've conceded seven goals in those games. And now, with a season-defining game against Manchester City to come on Wednesday, there's even more bad news. With it, here's David Ornstein. Brace yourself, Gooners. Unfortunately for Arsenal fans and and the club, um, William Saliba uh, is out of Wednesday's game against Manchester City. Of course, he's not featured since March the 16th when he went off in the first half of the Sporting Lisbon Europa League quarterfinal second leg tie, last 16, I should say. And it didn't look good that night, but there was, there's been a lot of uncertainty about this issue. It, it sounds quite complicated, lower back, monitoring day to day and unclear if and when he can return to training, whether he could be pushed to play. And sadly for Arsenal fans, he's also likely to miss the Chelsea game a week on Tuesday. And there are growing concerns that he may now miss the rest of the season. That is not confirmed. I think Arsenal would still like to try and get him back because there are massive games still to come. But I think it's looking increasingly doubtful that we'll see William Saliba again this season and certainly not at the Etihad Stadium with, I presume, Rob Holding likely to deputise again if Mikel Arteta goes with what he's gone with until now. But there is at least one corner of London that is happy this morning. In Sunday's other Premier League game, West Ham went to Bournemouth and won 4-0. That result lifts them to 13th with 34 points. And David Moyes' side have now scored 10 goals in their last three games, which puts them in decent shape given their challenging run-in and the fact that they're still in the Conference League too, which means that it's a packed fixture list for the Hammers. You're listening to The Briefing Show from The Athletic. So, for the first time ever, there will be an all-Manchester FA Cup final. Pep Guardiola's Manchester City did their bit on Saturday, beating Sheffield United 3-0, but it took Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United a tense penalty shootout to edge past Brighton. So, with City brushing past the mighty Bayern Munich on their way to the semi-finals of the Champions League, and with Arsenal wobbling in the final stages of the Premier League title race, United may well be the only thing standing in between City and the treble, an achievement only ever before achieved by, yes, Manchester United in 1999. Carl Anker was at Wembley, so Carl, can United stop City at Wembley? They have to. There's no other option, really. There's a United fan base now that are pretty concerned about the prospect of Manchester City winning a treble and also uh, getting you know a three-peat, so winning three Premier League titles in a row, which is something else that only Manchester United have ever done. United have done it twice. So the idea of Man City doing two great United accolades in the single season has really put the frighteners on fans. But I think, yeah, everyone on the United fan base is a bit nervous about stopping City from winning a bunch of titles. Uh, And now this FA Cup final gives United a direct way to stop the trouble from happening. Uh, They'll probably be the underdogs in that final, but they were the underdogs in the semi-final as well. So you just got to do what you have to do. Calling them the underdogs, Carl. I mean, how close were they to going out here? Uh, that was not a pleasurable watch. The really annoying, finickety thing about this semi-final was it appears that De Zerbi and Ten Hag were more focused on cancelling each other out rather than trying to do something to win the game outright. So you had two well-balanced midfields just running at each other and scrapping rather than what United probably should have done is uh, get the ball to Marcus Rashford, who could have run at Pascal Gross, who is not a right-back, but was playing at right-back. United are fourth. They're six points clear of Spurs, who are in fifth, who themselves are imploding and have two games in hand. The FA Cup, 
it's kind of Manchester United season now, isn't it? A good victory over Tottenham Hotspur on Thursday should all but secure top four. And then United can focus on what's going to be a very nerve-wracking uh, FA Cup final. I think anyone who's living in Manchester City Centre or in and around Manchester City Centre will be quite nervous for June 3rd. I think if you're running a pub in, in the greater Manchester area, you're probably going to start ordering in more chairs. Big, big, big day. It's now time for the European Roundup. After three games without a goal, let alone a win, Barcelona shook off their mounting anxiety to beat Atletico Madrid 1-0 at Camp Nou and maintain an 11-point gap over Real Madrid with eight games left to play. At the other end of the table, Valencia beat Elche 2-0 away from home. They're still in the relegation zone, but boy did they need that. To Italy, where Napoli are doing their best to stumble on their run-in, it took an injury-time winner for the Neapolitans to beat the mighty Juventus. Now, Napoli could win their first Serie A title since 1990, next weekend if they win against Salonitana and Lazio drop points at Inter. And it's all very tight behind Napoli, though, as Juve have had their deducted 15 points given back to them. So they're back in third place, and with Lazio losing 1-0 at home to Torino, it's all to play for for that second place. Now, if title races are more your bag, let me point you in the direction of the Bundesliga, where it's all very exciting. After Bayern Munich lost to Mainz, and Borussia Dortmund beat Frankfurt, and Union Berlin bested Borussia Mönchengladbach, it means that just five points separate Borussia Dortmund at the top and Berlin in third. I wonder how that decision to get rid of Julian Nagelsmann is going down now in Munich. Well, the Athletic is the place to find that one out. And finally, to Ligue 1, where Marseille continue to keep PSG just within reach. On Sunday night, Olympique were 2-1 winners over Lyon, after PSG themselves were 2-1 victors away Angers on Friday night. The gap remains at eight points, with six games left to play. So, season two of Welcome to Wrexham has had its Hollywood ending. On Saturday evening, in front of a rather larger global audience than is considered normal for the fifth tier of English football, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's Wrexham beat Borehamwood 3-1 and secured the National League title and a place in the English Football League after 15 years away. Richard Sutcliffe has been covering Wrexham for The Athletic and he was there on Saturday. Sooty, tell me, what was Saturday night like in Wrexham? Pretty damn special and pretty damn loud. If I'm honest, uh, I got out of town about half past 11 and I'd say the party probably had another about five or six hours to go. So uh, I think I was uh, I took the sensible option in my old age. What happens now then? That's what everyone's wanting to know. Into League Two, are they going to need reinforcements this summer? What's the, what's the noise? Oh yeah, definitely. Obviously, they've got a squad which was built, sort of future-proofed, ready for the EFL because it's mainly been signings who've, you know, I think I worked out there's something like 14 or 15 promotions already in League One and League Two in this squad. You know, they, they primarily played their football in the EFL, so they'll be ready. But as with every manager, he'll want to make improvements. There'll be money spent and uh, it's, going to be, uh, it's going to be a very interesting summer. The question then on everyone's lips is, what is Wrexham's ceiling? How high can they realistically go with the, the income and the backing that they have at this moment in time? It's going to be fascinating because obviously they're going to the league and they're suddenly subject to a salary cap, but their income is so high with all the benefits, obviously sponsorship that comes with the documentary and you know the exposure that these blue chip companies get that you know they're going to be able to outspend most teams in League Two. I expect them to go straight through League Two, if I'm honest. The trouble starts really for me, you know, the step up to League One. That's a tough league. 
that is when his serious money starts to have to come in. I think that's when the, you know, the, the two owners will have to look to outside investment because it suddenly becomes a very expensive project at that stage. But if they keep doing that, you know, I think that the high watermark in the club's history is about 14th or 15th in Division 2, which I think that's easily attainable. And once you're up in that league, and if you get the backing again, just look at Bournemouth. You know, they had five years in the Premier League. They're in the Premier League now, probably going to stay up. They only get gates of 11,000. So, you know, it really is. It, it could go anywhere, you know. But I do think, you know, League One is going to be the big test. I do expect them to go through League Two next season. But then, you know, like everything it gets, it gets harder the higher you get. Now, before we go, let's just run you through the TV fixtures to keep an eye out for. And of course, whilst we're building up to a big week of live football, it is a quiet start on Monday. Game of the night, probably Roma away against Atalanta. Jose Mourinho's side are chasing a Champions League place, and you can watch it on BT Sport in the UK or Paramount Plus in the US. Elsewhere, it's Luton and Middlesbrough meeting in the Championship. They've both already qualified for the playoffs, so there's a fair chance one of them might well be in the Premier League next season. That's on Sky Sports in the UK and ESPN in the US. And that's all from us. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, make sure you take advantage of our latest offer. Go to theathletic.com forward slash TBS. That stands for The Briefing Show, and it's $1.99 a month for your first year. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, and if you could drop us a review, that would be great too. I'm Abby Patterson, and The Briefing Show will be back tomorrow. The Athletic.